No, I hope and pray that you are coping through this third round of MCO. But more than just coping, I pray that you would thrive and not just survive as we remain anchored in Jesus, fixing our eyes on Him above the circumstances around us. And I would just like to take this opportunity to thank all of you for praying for me and the family. You know, when I tested positive for COVID uh, about a month ago, thank you for all the support and care that you have showered upon my family and I, especially, you know, when I was in the quarantine center for almost a week. You know, thank you for coming around uh, to support my wife who is expecting our third child and has to take care of the boys by themselves, you know, as they were home quarantined for almost two weeks. And my family and I have really been blessed by you. And we really appreciate you. And, you know, we just want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts. You know, no words can fully express our gratitude and thanks to the big family of SJAG. So thank all of you. You know, church, I truly believe this is what church is all about. You know, we rally together. We pray for each other. We support each other one way or another. And I think this is a great reflection of the whole idea of relate. Now, if any one of you, if you have been in a difficult situation, or if you are currently in a trying situation, and in one way or another, you have been blessed, you have been prayed for, you have been supported, and surrounded by the big family of Christ in SJAG, would you go ahead and type it in the chat, Thank you, SJAG family. Okay, just right there in the chat. Thank you, SJAG family. Now, in this season of our church, we have been emphasizing on relate. Now, we talked about how we relate to one another with kindness, having kind deeds and having kind thoughts. Uh, We are definitely a family, or rather we are not enemies, and we belong to the great family of Christ. You know, we practice self-control in our interactions with one another. We show compassion to everyone in every season. And this morning, I want to touch on an aspect of relate, which is relating in an anxious world. Relating in an anxious world. If you have your Bible with you, would you go with me to the book of Isaiah chapter 43? Isaiah chapter 43, okay, this is a very familiar passage. Uh, In fact, Isaiah is found in the Old Testament and it is categorized as one of the major prophet books. This is because the prophet Isaiah spoke prophetically to the nation of Israel. Now church, we have to understand that being prophetic does not relate to just predicting the future after having a special revelation from God. That is foretelling, okay? The other aspect of being prophetic is foretelling, okay? There's foretelling and foretelling. And foretelling means to address certain issues, whether be it social, political, and religious issues that were current and that were happening at that time. And the book of Isaiah was prophetic in both areas. It is foretelling, you know, speaking to all the things that will happen in the future. And it's also foretelling, you know, speaking of things that are currently happening in that point of time. All right, so uh, this morning, would you go with me to Isaiah chapter 43? And we're going to go to verse 18 and 19. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 18 and 19 says this, Forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. See, 
I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. You know, perhaps for some of you, you, you will recognize this as our team verse for the year. And you may be wondering, how does this fit in terms of relating in an anxious world? Well, we will be looking at the overall context of chapter 43, and hopefully that will shed some light to what we will be focusing on today. So keep your Bibles open, and let's see together what are some of the key things that you and I can learn in terms of relating in an anxious world. Would you pray with me even as we look to the Word of God this morning? Father, we thank you for the moments that we share around your Word. It's truly at these moments that we catch a glimpse of you and what you want to do in each and every one of us. Holy Spirit, ask that you will begin to speak to our hearts in the situations that we are facing today. That God, you would steady us, you would encourage us, you would challenge us to be your people. So Lord, we thank you. We commit the rest of this time to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You know, about a month ago, as you all know, both Pastor Mac Anderson and myself, we were tested positive for COVID. And uh, Pastor Mac had lost his sense of taste. And uh, he even had some difficulty in breathing. Uh, he was admitted to uh, Hospital Sungai Bulom. And I praise God that he is all clear and he is recovering well. In fact, he was actually preaching uh, earlier today at our BM service. Uh, for myself, I had no sense of smell or taste. And that's when I knew uh, something was a little bit off, you know. And I, and I had to self-isolate myself from the rest of the family. You know, my wife got uh, the meals ready and she left it outside the room. And uh, when I'm done, I put the utensils outside the room and either my wife or Dominic will come and help take it away. And at first, you know, I was doing okay. I thought to myself, I just needed to isolate uh, myself for 14 days, you know, till I'm no longer infectious. You know, but on Sunday morning, I think it was the fourth day since I was tested positive. And, you know, after church service, you know, I was just sitting there in my room and my mind started to wander. You know, I didn't realize at that time, I was starting to spiral into a rabbit hole of anxiousness. I knew that uh, COVID is fatal. And I also knew that it is not fatal for everyone. No, but I started to consider, what if that is the case for me? No, that COVID becomes the end of my time here on earth. Now, personally, I'm okay with me dying, so to speak, okay? Because it would mean that I would get to see Jesus face-to-face -face faster than any of you. And that's a definite win in my books, okay? But what about my family? Uh, what's going to happen to them? Uh, what about Lichen and the boys? Uh, what about the child that Lichen is carrying? What if Lichen gets COVID too? Uh, what about my folks? Who is going to take care of the family? How is my family going to cope when I'm gone? And all these thoughts just came rushing in. Now, in hindsight, I think I was experiencing some sort of an anxiety attack. You know, all these emotions, all these thoughts, you know, it just came flooding in. And it felt pretty overwhelming at the time. And I wept before God. I cried my, out my heart to Him. And when I got the news that I needed to go to the quarantine center for six days, that kind of added another layer of anxiety. 
Now, what's going to happen to the family when I'm in the quarantine centre? How are they going to get food and all? I know there's grab service. I know there's grab food. There's all sorts of food delivery. But it's going to be my wife's first time alone with the boys, but all by herself for almost a week. And she's halfway through her pregnancy. You know, what if I don't get back from the quarantine centre? Again, my mind was running all over the place. Now, just so you know, I'm usually more level-headed, okay? Uh, but with everything coming together, you know, my mind was just all over the place. You know, the situation felt quite out of control. And a lot of things were uncertain in some sense. I'm not sure about you, but generally, people don't like things out of their control. There's that tendency in each of us to want things to be in our control. You know, just observe how we live each day. We desire to have control over our finances. We want to be able to have certain control in our work. We decide what we want to study in college or university. We make our own choices of what we want to eat or drink. And, of, and we also choose what we want to wear. You know, and of course, you know, some of us may be a little bit of a control freak than others, but generally, there is that desire, even if it's just a tiny desire in us to be in control. Because when things are in our control, it means that we are certain of how life is going to turn. There is that certainty, there is that assurance, and there is that comfort in knowing that things will be how we expect them to be. But you know, when we were hit with a huge curveball, such as COVID-19, that sort of changes everything. Now, even for us as a nation, we are currently in our third MCO. And it was reported in the news on Wednesday that the befrienders have received over 100 calls daily since MCO 3.0 started. Now, for those of you who are unfamiliar with the befrienders, the befrienders is a hotline for anyone. Uh, if they are struggling and need to talk to someone about the issues they are struggling with, and when they feel, you know, they don't have anyone to turn to. You know, can you imagine that? Over 100 calls daily since we started the third MCO, and that's not really too long ago. The amount of stress that people are going through today is tremendous. I've personally heard many people saying that last year when COVID hit us, it was the toughest working year they've ever experienced in their entire working life. People worked insane amount of hours. People struggled to keep their businesses afloat. People struggled to keep their relationships intact. Those students were unsure of their education path anymore. And if we were to take the amount of uncertainty of the future and add them together with the present worries and add them to the already stressful life that we have before COVID time, it is no wonder why we are living in an anxious world today. And church, when we are experiencing all these worries, all this stress, all this anxiety, all this uncertainty, it would cause us to respond, or rather, it would influence how we relate to one another and to the circumstances around us. Perhaps we will find it a little bit of a challenge to be kind to others as we ought to. 
We will not treat others as family. In fact, the closest ones to us are affected the most. No, self-control will definitely be very low and we can just take the whole idea of compassion and throw it out of the window. And when life is out of control, it affects how we relate to each other. It definitely will affect how we relate to God and it will also affect how we relate to ourselves. But you know, I thank God that He always, always shows us a better way to live through His Word. You know, the book of Isaiah was written during the time of the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. At the time for Isaiah, Israel was a nation that was caught in the middle of wars between three superpowers, Egypt, Assyria, and Babylon. And when Israel fell to the Assyrians, the prophet Isaiah continued to speak to the people of Judah. And the kingdom of Judah faced similar threats from those three nations. The days ahead of the people were very uncertain. Anything could happen at any time. The people were probably very concerned and very worried about what's going to happen to them. They may have been feeling very anxious. You know, foreign nations, you know, are going to come and take charge of the land at any moment without any given notice. In fact, the Bible tells us they were going to be exiled. And Isaiah chapter 40 onwards actually addresses the post-exilic nation of Israel. And the author of the book constantly spoke to the people regarding the three aspects which we mentioned earlier. And they are relating to God, relating to themselves as a people of God, and of course, relating to others. And I believe that the principles found in Isaiah chapter 43, I believe that the Holy Spirit desires to do that same work in us as we live in an anxious world today. So, whenever we feel anxious, number one, firstly, we remember who God is. We remember who God is. That is the first principle that we must learn and relearn over and over again. Remember who God is. No, whenever we feel anxious, whenever we are worried and stressed up, it is very easy to look at our circumstance. It is very easy to look at our surroundings and forget who we have with us. Whenever we feel uncertain about the days ahead, whenever we are unsure of what's going to happen, no, we have the tendency to take our eyes off from God and forget who He is. The problems around us, the difficulties, the challenges around us distracts us and keeps us from focusing on God. And the same goes to the people of Israel. Isaiah chapter 43 was addressing a group of people who was exiled in Babylon. They were already taken from their home to a foreign land. The days ahead of them were uncertain. They did not have much control of their lives. No, what they can do, what they can't do, is, was determined by their captors. It was a very stressful and restless time for the people of Israel. And that's why throughout chapter 43, God wanted to remind the people of who He is. He wanted to remind them in verse 1 that He is their Creator. 
that He is also their Redeemer. And also in verse 1, in verse 2, He wanted to remind them that He is with them. In verse 3, He told them that He is their Saviour. In verse 4, He told them that He loves them. And moving on down the line, in verse 13, He reminds the people of God that He is matchless. None can compare to Him, that He is the Almighty God. In verse 14, it tells, He tells the people that He is the Holy Lord. And if He is holy, it means that He is righteous, it means that He is just, it means that He is gracious and He is merciful. In verse 15, He tells them that He is their King. He is their Lord. In verse 16, He tells them that He is the one who makes way where there seems to be no way. He is the way maker. In verse 19, He tells them that He does new things. In verse 20, He tells them that He is their provider. And when we read the entire chapter 43, it is as if God was emphatically telling the people with a very loud speaker, don't forget who I am. Don't forget. Remember who God is. And likewise for all of us today, remember who God is. Remember that God is the Alpha and the Omega. That He is the beginning and the end. Remember that He is the Almighty God. He knows all things and He is our ever-present help in times of need. Remember that He is our Redeemer. That He is our Saviour. Remember that in Him, we have life and life more abundantly. Our soul prospers in God. Remember that nothing can ever separate us from His love. Remember that the same God who brought us through the waters in the past, the same God who carried us through the fire yesterday, is with us in the storms today and He will be with us in uncharted territories tomorrow. And through every season, church, God is always, always good. Though even though we may not feel like it, even though we don't see it with our physical eyes, even though the circumstances around us tell us otherwise, church, God is always, always good. Because we stand on the truth that Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. We stand on our resurrected Savior. He is not some myth. He's not some figment of imagination. He's not a patong. He's not some idol. He is alive. He is working in our lives. And the Bible tells me that in all things, God works for the good of those who are called according to His purpose. Remember who God is. And secondly, when we remember who God is, we remember our identity is in Him. When we have a revelation of who God is in our lives, that revelation shifts our identity to Him. When we know who we are, we will know who we are. When we know who we belong to, it gives us confidence and assurance in our lives. You know, throughout Isaiah chapter 43, God constantly reminded the people of who He is because He knew when they know who He is, they become sure of their identity. 
And perhaps because of their circumstances, they may have become fearful. They may have been afraid and concerned over so many things. They were definitely thinking about whether they would ever go back to their homeland. In some sense, their identity was kind of stripped off them when they were carried into captivity. Their identity of being a people of God, of being chosen, of being anointed and appointed, didn't really match their circumstance. They were probably very confused and disillusioned, and maybe some of them may have given up hope. Hence, God wanted them to remember who He is so that they know, or rather, so that they remember who they are in Him. God reminded them that they were created by God, that they were formed by God, that they are loved by God, that they are redeemed by God. Church, there is that alignment that happens when we remember who God is, our identity in Him becomes clearer. When we know whose we are, we know who we are. You know, sometimes our circumstances shouts to us very negatively and very loudly. And that puts certain limitations and hindrances on us. Now, imagine with me, a baby elephant tied up with huge chains to a huge tree. And no matter how hard the baby elephant tries, it cannot escape from being tied up because the chains were huge, they were heavy, and the tree was enormous. So no matter how the elephant goes here, go there, the baby elephant is still stuck to that tree. Now, the, throughout its life, the baby elephant has been thinking, right, there's no escaping from the tree at all. And after some time, the baby elephant gives up trying to escape altogether. And when that baby elephant grows up to an adult size, friends, it won't run away even though it is now tied up to a very small tree using a very thin rope. Because it has been conditioned, it has been playing the narrative that throughout its life that there is no escaping from the tree. The elephant has forgotten who it is and the strength that it possesses. And church, in our day to day, when we are constantly faced with all this uncertainty, with all these stresses and anxiety, that narrative can be playing on in our mind over and over again. But friends, don't forget who we are in God. Don't let the circumstances around us detect us who we are in Him. Yes, we are not denying that there are trying times ahead. We are not denying that, no, we have certain limitations around us. Times may be uncertain. But remember, remember who God is. Remember who we are in Him. And thirdly, remember the mandate that God has given us. Remember the mandate that God has given us. Whenever we feel anxious, whenever we feel worried, stressed, you know, we naturally focus on the issue that is in front of us. But when we come to the realization that life is not just about us, that it is not for our glory, that it's not for our fame, that it's about Him, we have a bigger, 
larger perspective, an eternal perspective that shifts our focus from just looking at the present challenges staring at us face to face to living out the mandate that God has called us to. And that happens when we remember who God is and when we remember who we are in Him. And you may be asking, what is the mandate that God has given us? You know, oftentimes we confuse the mandate with the mission. You know, we think that the mandate that God has given us is to go and make disciples of all nations. Friends, that is not the mandate. That is the mission. That is why it's called the Great Commission. The mandate is focusing on the cross of Christ, the redemptive work of God in our lives, which enables us to live with meaning, purpose, and wisdom. The mandate is loving God with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, and all our strength. And the mandate is made clearer when Jesus calls us to abide in Him. Church, the whole idea of God speaking to His people in Isaiah chapter 43, reminding them of who He is, reminding them of who they are in Him, is so that they learn to walk with Him. In the first place, the reason why they were exiled and taken into captivity is because they chose not to walk with God. They chose to have other gods. They chose to put idols. They allowed idols to take place in their lives. They have forgotten the mandate that God has given to them. They have forgotten the way they are to walk with Him. And God desired that shift in His people back then. And I believe it's the same with us today. You know, perhaps the reason why we are anxious over a lot of things in life is because we have forgotten the mandate that God has given us. Perhaps we have neglected to abide in Him. Perhaps the mission has become the priority instead of the mandate. Friends, the mandate always precedes the mission. And it's no wonder why we are stressed, worried, and anxious over so many things because our focus is on the wrong things. And if we learn to abide in Jesus, we learn to observe His life. We learn to hear what He has to say. We learn to live with His convictions and follow His ways. And when that takes place in our lives, that relating to others is shaped and guided by who we are in God. And that's really the beautiful part of abiding in Christ. As we are being transformed into the image of Christ, we put on the mind of Christ. We put on the attitudes. We put on His perspective. We follow His ways. Relating to others comes back to us knowing who we are in relating with ourselves, which comes from how we relate to God. You know, when there is a vertical revelation of who God is, we discover who we are inwardly and we respond accordingly to the horizontal world. Let me say this again. When there is a vertical revelation of who God is, we discover who we are inwardly and we respond accordingly 
to the horizontal world. And let me read again 12 of us, Isaiah chapter 43, verse 18 to 19. Verse 18 says this, Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Now this passage talks about God doing a new thing for us. You know, leading us to a new season, leading, leading us to many new opportunities. And church, I am all for that, okay? I truly believe that God wants to bring us, each and every one of us, to new seasons and open new opportunities for us. And I'm excited that He's going to do that for you and I. But church, what if God intends that couple of verses to be more than just the external? What if it is His ultimate desire to do a new work in our lives? What if He is saying to us today, forget how you have formerly lived, Put your past practices aside. Put your lifestyle, your old lifestyles aside. Put your old habits, your old nature and forget about it because I am doing a new thing. I am giving you a new heart, a new desire, a new identity. And when you know who I am, you will know who you are and abide in me. You will remain in me and your transformed life will change the people around you. So church, how then do we live? Even as I invite the music team to come, even as we're going to close this morning. And I just want to leave with all of us two key things so that we can put this, whatever we have heard, into practice. You know, all these things that I mentioned earlier, they are truths. But truth never ever changes anyone. It is truth that is applied that changes lives. So how do we live? Number one, we walk humbly before God. We walk humbly before God. When we know who God is, we can only come to the realization of who we are not. That we are not God that we are not the center of the universe. That as human beings, we have certain limitations. That we have certain flaws and we are not perfect. In fact, far from it. And when we know who God is, we can't help but to walk humbly before God and to confess that we cannot do this life without Him. That we need Him to lead us to guide us, to empower us, and to remind us of who He is on days when we forget. To remind us of who we are when life's challenges seem too overwhelming. And to remind us of the mandate, of the life that He has called each and every one of us to. And that happens when we keep in step with the Holy Spirit. And that's the second thing, practical thing that I want to leave with all of us. Keep in step with the Holy Spirit. Now church, I truly believe the Holy Spirit desires to communicate so much to all of us in a personal way. 
And I truly believe that He wants to do that every single day of our lives. If only we were to pause and say, Speak. Your servant, your child is listening. Speak. You know, for the past couple of years, before every time before a new year approaches, you know, I'll just spend I would you know spend some time praying for the year that is ahead. And usually the Holy Spirit will prompt my heart uh, on certain things that He wants to do, or certain things that you know that He wants to achieve, accomplish in my life. And you know, end of towards the end of last year, perhaps maybe November and December. You know, you know, we were praying for, I was praying for this year and uh, my wife, you know, just casually mentioned to me and said, hey, you know, I think this year is going to be a year that is even more challenging than last year. This year, 2021. And, I, and I, I'm thinking, really? It's going to be more challenging? What can get more challenging than 2020, you know? Uh, but you know, I, I, I went to pray and all uh, and the Holy Spirit dropped my heart the word grace. Grace. And particularly, He led me to this verse that's found in the Bible in 2 Corinthians. It says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in witness. And so there was an agreement between myself and my wife about this year, 2021, or what's going to be. And when January came, uh, you know, we, we found out that Lee Chen was expecting a child. And wow, we were so excited. You know, we were looking forward to uh, this kid. But of course, you know, with another child means added financial expenses. It means shifting your life around again, a change of lifestyle. Uh, and, and the word came again, grace. My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. And I said, okay, yes, Lord. You know, bring, bring, bring it on this new year. Yeah, bring it on this new year. And then as you all know, you know, one month ago, you know, I was, you know, uh, I was diagnosed with uh, COVID. I was tested positive. And I, earlier on, I mentioned on that Sunday afternoon, I was in my room and I was crying out to God. And again, God dropped that word in my heart. Grace. The Holy Spirit brought my attention to that verse again. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in witness. And you know, last week, last week, uh, last Saturday, not yesterday, the, the Saturday before, uh, my uncle met with an accident. He was riding a motorbike and a, a vehicle knocked him. And uh, you know, they, they tried to operate on his, on his skull, you know, and, and they tried to do so much things. And uh, on, on Monday, uh, the, un my, the doctors told my cousin, the family, that, uh, to be prepared because he's not responding well. And probably he's not going to make it. And then when I got that news on that Monday afternoon, I knew I'm not going to see him again. In my heart, I knew that this is it. And you know, when the, when the, when the family was taking the afternoon nap, you know, I just decided, you know, I just needed some air to go out, you know, to run. And, and you know, just to, you know, just talk to God. And when I was running, and when I was pouring out my heart to you, I asked God, God, why this? Why must, why this happens? 
And the Holy Spirit prompted my heart again. My grace is sufficient for you. And my strength is made perfect in weakness. And of course, on Tuesday morning, I got the news that my uncle passed away. And church, oftentimes in life, challenges happen to us without us welcoming them. They will just come barging right in. But friends, one thing I know is that the Holy Spirit knows what's going to happen. The Holy Spirit has been down the road months ahead, days ahead. And that's why towards the end of last year, the Holy Spirit could prompt me and my wife that grace, my grace is sufficient for you and my power is made perfect in weakness.